You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It is time. It is time. They can't be the Packers. Are you crazy? You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I am your host, JJ Leahy. Thank you to Jess Kane for hopping on the Patreon and supporting the show. Super appreciate that. Uh, Jess Kane is a personal friend of mine, so it's always uh, fun to see somebody I know in real life jump on here and uh, help support the show and make this possible. So I appreciate that. If any of you would like to uh, support the show financially, Patreon.com slash JJ Leahy is the easiest way to do that. Uh, if you don't like Patreon and you still want to support the show in some way, reach out to me. There are other ways to, to support the show if you don't like Patreon. Well, let's jump right into it. You know why we're here. Uh, I broke down the defensive coordinator candidates into a few different groups. Uh, first would be assistant coaches currently on the Packers staff. I only found three that I thought uh, could be considered candidates for the job. Jerry Gray, obviously the top of that list. I'm, you know, I'm not crazy about that idea. I think if you are going to look the direction of Jerry Gray, who I have been pretty disappointed with, actually, since he got here, um, one of the biggest responsibilities of a defensive coordinator in the NFL is scouting the upcoming opponent and coming up with the game plan. So if you are going to look the direction of Jerry Gray, start right now involving Jerry Gray in that process for these last five games of the regular season. See what he can do for you. See if he instills confidence in you in the game plan um, ideas that he has and the stuff that he sees when he's scouting the opponents. The next guy on the list would be Jerry Montgomery, our defensive line coach. The defensive line play has been lackluster for most of Montgomery's tenure here. I do like Montgomery. I think he is a good coach. Uh, I think the run defense for the Packers obviously is a massive problem, kind of has been forever. Um, And Kenny Clark, I think, plays well below his ability. He's having a horrific season despite a really hot start. He's been kind of hot garbage. Uh, <laughs> basically all of October and November, and I would say even a little bit in September. Um, Montgomery is a guy you could certainly consider, um, but low on my list. A- anybody on our on our staff right now is low on my list. The final guy would be Kirk Olivadotti, our middle linebackers coach. I can't stand Olivadotti. I think he's a just, I think he does nothing for us. We've had trash, horrific linebacker play every year since he got here in 2019, with the exception of Devondre Campbell had a good year in 2021. That's it. And he co-called the... Uh, defense in the Cardinals game last year when Joe Barry was out with COVID. So he co-called that 
with Jerry Gray, and the defense was really good that week. That's it. One player had one good season, and he was halfway responsible for calling one game. <laughs> um, yeah. He's not high on my list, but I have heard other people get excited about the idea of him. I don't understand it. I I would like to see him fired today, but whatever. Maybe not today, but the end of the season. I would like a new middle linebackers coach. I mean, think about it. Every single year, Blake Martinez was horrible in 2019. What was that goofball's name? Christian Kirksey, he was trash in 2020. Uh, Devondre Campbell had one good year in 2021 and has been wildly inconsistent in 2022. He's had some good plays here or there. Um, and I know he's been banged up. I'm not holding his injuries against him. But when he has been on the field, he ha- he makes some nice plays here or there. And a lot of the rest of the time is just not really dependable, is not wrapping up well, doesn't always seem to... Um, uh, you know, be any kind of a uh, reliable option in coverage. I just, <laughs> I don't know what Kirk brings to the table. Those are my three options for assistant coaches currently on the Packers roster. If you were to turn your attention to uh, former head coaches around the NFL, this is another category with a lot of um, hot, popular uh, submissions. Brian Flores is the number one option that you will hear people bring up over and over again. Flores currently is uh, the linebackers coach for the Steelers. A lot of folks want him. His defenses were pretty good in Miami. No question about it. Um, (laughs) I got to be honest. I'm kind of all the way out on this one. I don't know Brian personally, obviously. Um, From afar... I can't really get any kind of a bead on like, you know, what his character is. Um, he says that he's really big on integrity, that honesty really matters to him. Okay, that's great if that's true. I don't know him, so I can't speak to his, uh, you know, character attributes or um, shortcomings. I, I don't know them. I do know he has sued like everybody who has ever brought him in for an interview except for the Packers when they interviewed him in 2019 for their head coaching gig. You can side with him. I'm not taking a side. Um, I I don't have a ton of respect for the Miami Dolphins or the Denver Broncos or the New York Giants for that matter. I don't. But he has sued three teams that interviewed him. I'm not really interested in just being the fourth team that he piles onto his lawsuit with no idea, you know, what kind of a person he is. He might be a phenomenal guy. I got a quote here from Jerome Baker, a Dolphins linebacker who played under Flores. He said, minus all the coaching, he was just a great guy, great person to me and my family. He was always honest. That was the one thing that never changed. You got an endorsement from a player there, a respected player. I do think that Flores comes with a lot of baggage. Maybe you're willing to take a risk on that baggage. Um, you know, maybe you just think black and white very clearly Brian Flores is in the right and should be suing these teams. 
if so, I, I'm not going to argue with you. I just, I'm not willing to take the risk. He really likes to sue teams. <laughs> He's, he has sued like every team that has ever brought him in for an interview, except the Packers. I also, um, you know, I, I know a lot of folks don't really like Steven Ross, the uh, owner of the Dolphins. Um, and the, uh, you know, the stories that have come out about how well Flores and Ross did or didn't get along. They don't particularly cast either guy in a very favorable light. Um, Flores does seem to me to be kind of a prickly guy that it's hard to get along with. And the Dolphins were not very good while he was there. Again, you might really want him. I just am not personally open to that risk. I would rather let some other team take the risk and have him pan out for them. Which is unfortunate because he's, you know, the whole reason that he's suing is over, um, you know, a, a lack of real NFL opportunities. You know, that's that's his view on things and that's why he's suing. And so it is unfortunate that the result of that is I look at the situation and say, I you feel like a risk to me to interview or hire. That is unfortunate. And I am not in any way trying to belittle or minimize the issue of racism in the NFL. Let's take a look at the linebackers in Pittsburgh. See how they're doing. I have not yet looked at this, so I don't know what we're going to find. <laughs> We might find something good, something bad. All right, here we go. Pittsburgh defensive grades via PFF. All right, linebackers. Robert Spillane has played 325 snaps. He's got a 46.1 grade. Devin Bush, who's like a horrifically trash player, way overdrafted. Uh, 441 snaps. He's got a 58.2 grade. Uh, Miles Jack, 529 snaps. Uh, I don't see any linebackers on here with... The, I mean, the only other linebacker they have on the roster is Miles Kilbrew, who's played five, uh, 13 snaps. Miles Jack, 529 snaps. 56.4 grade. None of those three linebackers who have played substantial snaps have even graded out at 60. So I wasn't sure what we were going to find there. Um, and I... I don't think that that's a very good group of players either. Devin Bush, Miles Jack, I I don't think they're good players. So I'm not really going to hold their performance against um, Ryan Flores. But I'm just, there is a lot of, I, I think there's a lot of inherent risk in trying to deal with the Brian Flores situation. It's going to come with a lot of media scrutiny. It's going to come a lot with... Um, at the very least, some controversy, and this is already a pretty distracted and uh, seemingly um, disjointed locker room. So I'm hesitant to consider this a locker room that could handle outside noise. Brian Flores probably would do a good job as a defensive coordinator. I'm not not challenging that. I'm very nervous about the downsides of trying to work with him for 
you know, is, is he actually going to be the, the defensive savior? We, we know he wants to be a head coach again. So how long is he going to want to be a defensive coordinator? You know, he's, he took the linebackers job for this year. I would imagine he wants to be at a minimum, a defensive coordinator this year. I, I, I think that's probably an accurate statement. But then how long is he going to want to stick around at defensive coordinator? He's already been head coach once. He is very publicly frustrated about the fact that he's not a head coach right now. Um, you know, how, how long would he be willing to stick around? I just think there's a lot of downsides that come with Brian Flores. Is the upside enough to make him one of my top candidates? It's not. So, you know, if, if we brought him in, I would be really excited about the potential uh, for what he could do here. He does have experience running a 3-4 front. Um, here's a – so this is from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com talking about Flores' uh, defensive philosophy. He's especially fond of using the tight front, it says, which positions defensive linemen on an inside shade against offensive tackles in what is commonly known as the 4-I technique. This is an effective front against the run particularly the inside zone play because the shade anchors a defender in the B gap, which is the sweet spot for most zone rush uh, zone run team to block the shade. Offenses are often forced to use double teams, which frees up linebackers to pursue the football in Pittsburgh. This would stand to benefit Devin Bush who struggled with navigating clutter and getting off of blocks last season. Let's just take a look. I mean, it's not really fair because he's not the defensive coordinator in uh, Pittsburgh. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know that this is really supposed to uh, be any kind of a fair test of um, of Brian, but let me see here. Uh, Devin Bush, pass rush grade 67.3. He has five total pressures this season, zero sacks, uh, four hurries. He's got a decent number of tackles, 39 tackles, and only one missed tackle. That's pretty good. Um, I think that his his overall stats are a little more favorable than his grades, but it looks like the grades are largely brought down by um, a pretty poor coverage performance. Let's see, coverage, he's allowing 70.4% completions. He's given up 253 yards on 27 targets. Uh, it's 19 receptions, so 13.3 yards per reception, giving up 144 yards after the catch and one touchdown. Not that great in uh, in coverage, but Devin Bush has never been a good player, so I'm not holding any negatives from Devin Bush really against Brian Flores this year. Uh, it, it comes down to the lawsuits. The lawsuits and the stories about um, how well he gets along with uh, the teams that he has worked for or has interviewed for. The one I think that concerns me the most is not the Dolphin story. Um, and there's like not much information about the Giants thing. Um, and, and the little bit that is publicly known about the Giants thing is uh, much more favorable toward Brian than it is toward the Giants. But the Broncos one actually is the one that's that's surprising to me because Brian said that um, the Broncos uh, were 
like hours late, like four hours late, something like that. I know he said it was at least an hour, but in my head, four hours is what's sticking out. We'll say it was an hour. He said that they were really late to the interview at the hotel and that they showed up drunk. And the Broncos apparently produced hotel security footage of the uh, interview that they said supported the claim that they were on time and that the um, uh, interview started on time, that they had uh, notes they kept from the interview. It all just makes me very nervous about interviewing Brian Flores. Uh, Let's see. Mike Zimmer frequently tossed out there as an option. I think there's two sides to this. One is the Mike Zimmer side and one is the Packers side. I think Mike Zimmer, who is, uh, he's taking a year off. He's just doing some consulting uh, for Deion Sanders at Jackson State. Zimmer was fired by the Vikings. Uh, Seems to have some hard feelings for them. All right. Would he be willing to come play for an NFC North rival? I think probably. However, I don't think that he has any respect for Matt LaFleur. He seems to vehemently dislike Matt LaFleur. I strongly question whether he would come uh, play for uh, coach for Matt LaFleur. Wow. Um, I just got a heartbreaking message that uh, one of my coworkers passed. So uh, I had to take a little bit of a break from recording. Um, I'm back now. <sighs> Talking about Mike Zimmer. Uh, the other angle is from the Packers standpoint, and that is Mike Zimmer has pretty much always coached a four, three defense. And that, um, that does include, um, his time in Dallas, uh, under Parcells, he coached a three, four, but it definitely was not, um, uh, his preference. And our entire defensive roster <laughs> is built to be a three, four. We really, we really don't like have defensive ends. We got, you know, you take Preston and Kingsley and Rashawn. I mean, we spent like two years trying to convert Rashawn from a, uh, a defensive end into a um, stand-up outside linebacker. Okay, so we're gonna reverse all that and go become a four, a four-three. Like this is, and we don't have three linebackers either. I mean. You know, you, you like uh, like Isaiah McDuffie, but I don't know. I just the 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 roster is not built to be a four three. I just don't think Zimmer would come, and I don't think the Packers would ask him to come. Vic Fangio is the other guy out there. Um, Fangio, of course, was not fired by the Bears. Fangio, who is currently a uh, consultant for the Eagles, I think really wants to be a head coach again. I'm. I really question whether he would accept a job as a defensive coordinator again. And I think that like 29 teams around the league would offer him a defensive coordinator job. I don't think that he has to come to Green Bay and I don't think he would want to. Obviously would love to happen. Packers have been chasing that Vic Fangio scheme for a while, Uh, you know, it would be amazing if you could just go straight to the source and go get the guy but I don't think he's coming here. If he was at all interested, absolutely, 100%, rubber stamp it like that, do it. Do whatever you have to do. Pay him whatever he wants. 
<laughs> Obviously, he would be and should be like everyone's number one choice. I just don't think he's going to come. So those are the former head coaches in the NFL. I have another group of guys that we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about because, you know, kind of would take some moving pieces to make this happen. And this would be current defensive coordinators um, elsewhere in the NFL. So you're looking at guys like D'Amico Ryans coaching for the 49ers. I think uh, D'Amico wants to be a head coach. I think he probably will get interviews for that this year. Uh, The Vikings interviewed him for their head coaching gig last year. Um, Interesting story about that. They asked him to come back for a second interview and Ryan's apparently declined and said that he didn't feel uh, quite prepared yet and that he wanted more time to develop as a defensive coordinator. But I don't think there's any reason he would leave San Francisco and come to Green Bay to have the exact same job. Ronaldo Hill for the Chargers, maybe a little bit more realistic option because although I like Brandon Staley, there is a sentiment out there that his seat is a little bit warm and maybe maybe he would um, get fired at the end of this year. The Chargers are a team that is really underperforming for no reason, similar to the Packers, and uh, their defense is pretty good. Offense is kind of what's lacking, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't think that Hill probably gets retained if there is a whole turnover. I think that, you know, the new guy is going to want to come in and bring in his own guy. Uh, but Hill uh, does call a similar style defense to the Fangio scheme. So somebody to consider. Uh, Ijiro Evero is the big name here, obviously. He is um, in Denver, and their defense is like the only thing that's going right over there. I think Nathaniel Hackett's seat probably is pretty hot. Uh, I I think that there is a non-zero chance that Nathaniel Hackett gets fired at the end of the season. Boy, wouldn't that be something if Hackett came back to Green Bay and Ijiro Evero came to Green Bay. <laughs> A year ago, I did, um, not a year ago, two years ago, I did an exercise similar to this, and Evero was one of the names that I really um, kind of uh, scoped in on hard kind of early on, was kind of excited about him as a prospect, and then the Packers brought him in for an interview, Uh, he ended up being like one of their finalists, like one of their final three, I was really excited, I'm like, man, this is actually going to happen, I think Evero like might be the dude. And then it turned out that he was number three for LaFleur because uh, LaFleur really wanted Jim Leonard. We'll talk about Jim in a little bit. Um, and then when Jim turned him down, uh, Matt went with his buddy Joe Barry. And I thought that was a little crazy that Barry was the guy you would go with instead of Everett. I understand the age difference, but like we all had questions about Joe Barry as a candidate. We did. Evero uh, is coaching the number eight defense by DVOA this year in Denver. I think that there is a decent chance. Oh, by the way, where do they rank uh, in total defense on PFF? The Broncos are sixth. So the eighth via DVOA, sixth via PFF. 
Um, I think there is a decent chance Evero would not be retained um, by the Broncos for their defensive coordinator position. There's rumors that Evero is considered for the head coach job in Denver if they move on from Hackett. I don't know how real those rumors are. That feels a little premature to me. Uh, Dan Quinn, I think, is much more likely to get the Denver job, and I do not think he would retain Evero. So something to consider. Um, Evero, let me see here. Any other interesting notes here from Evero? Obviously, he you know does come from the Rams. He's got those Matt Lafleur connections. He is one of uh, Lafleur's buddies. This is his first year as a uh, defensive coordinator. Um, seems to me that he does a good job making adjustments, which I really like. Um, he did work with Vic Fangio in San Francisco. He worked with Mike McCarthy and Dom Capers in Green Bay, and of course, he's got the Rams connections. Maybe I'm. Hyping up the uh, Green Bay connection too much. He was a defensive quality control coach for us for one year in 2016. I have two final categories of, I really guess there's three. Three categories of coaches left to look at. And I think that I'm saving the three most interesting for the end. So we're going to take our sponsor break right here. Talk to the advertisers. And when we get back... I'm going to touch on guys who are currently coaching in college. I'm going to talk about Matt LaFleur's buddies, because let's be real, that's probably where the hire is going to come from. And we'll talk about my favorite category, which is current NFL assistant coaches. Uh, This is where I get the most excited about prospects. But word from our sponsors right now. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Ah, hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Talking about college guys, the number one guy that you all want to hear about is Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard does run a 3-4. He was Matt LaFleur's number one choice back in 2021. Ah, you guys are all Badgers fans. You love anybody coming out of Wisconsin. Danny Davis. Man, he's he's like so good. He's gonna be our wide receiver too, man. He's just the best. He's gotta get more opportunities. Sorry. <laughs> you guys love anybody from Wisconsin. Uh Jim Leonard, I think, is a good coach. I don't think that he is the savior that uh Packers Facebook and Twitter 
really believes that he is. I think that he does an okay job um, or did an okay job uh, against the Big Ten West, which is full of horrific offenses. He does a so-so job when he's playing, you know, better talent. And if you have gripes about the talent level at Wisconsin, they're not on the defensive side of the ball. They're on the offensive side. The Badgers have good players on defense. And, <laughs> I mean, this year, we so just last week, we saw the Buckeyes get absolutely walloped by Michigan. We saw them certainly struggle against um, some other Big Ten defenses throughout the year. They were not even slowed down by Wisconsin. They just weren't. And I, I, I think that Leonard probably would consider coming. Probably. I think that he wants to be a college head coach, but he, he wanted to be the Badgers head coach. And the program has clearly sent the message to him that that ain't happening. I think he was given a real shot. I think that what he did with that shot was very underwhelming. I was not impressed at all. Um, and the Big Ten is changing. The Big Ten West needs to adapt or they are going to be absolutely irrelevant. Teams like Wisconsin have kind of been propped up into more national relevance than they would have if they were not playing in the Big Ten West. Because by virtue of having the divisions, which are going away, uh, you can you know, be a three or four loss team and make it to the Big Ten championship game. And you got usually two or three teams in the Big Ten East better than the best Big Ten West champion who are left out and don't get to go to the Big Ten title game. You got USC and UCLA coming. I think you got Stanford and Oregon and Washington and Notre Dame coming as well. We'll see. The Big Ten is changing. The Big Ten West needs to adapt. And um, what's his name? The uh, the new athletic director um, for Wisconsin. Uh, Chris McIntosh. He made, I, I think, a smart decision. Which was, yes, Jim Leonard, very beloved by players. He's a former player, uh, you know, did a good job. Very loved by the community and by the players. But I, I think he was only going to get you so far. And with Lincoln Riley coming, with what Jim Harbaugh is doing, um, you know, UCLA and Chip Kelly coming, I, I, I think that... It, Wisconsin was about to be left out in the cold because once you are suddenly the what seventh or eighth best team in the conference and you're not making the big 10 title game because there's no divisions. I think you're going to have a really hard time recruiting at that point. Like good, good on Wisconsin for adapting and for going out there and getting Luke fickle. Who I think is a really good coach, who I think will elevate the program. But they do need to adapt and do what it takes to stay relevant. And I and I don't think that Jim Leonard was in their best interests. And I question 
how good of a of a transition he would have, you know, making that leap to the NFL. Is he going to be the guy in the NFL? I think you would be hard pressed to find other people around the country not living in Wisconsin who have that kind of opinion of him and think that, oh, yeah, no, no, he's he's the golden boy. He would fix an NFL defense. I just don't think I mean, I think that Phil Parker at Iowa, who is a guy that I do have my eye on. I think a guy like Phil Parker would attract as much, if not more, attention from the NFL for a team outside of Wisconsin than Jim Leonard would. Um, a couple other, uh, well, not Big Ten, but Midwest guys. Al Washington is um, Notre Dame's defensive line coach. Um, he's a he's a good dude, um, a very good coach. He's got uh, you know Matt Lafleur has Notre Dame ties. Um. Al Washington is has been thrown out there a few times, and I think that that's an interesting connection. Not sure he's ready to make the leap all the way to NFL defensive coordinator, <laughs> uh, but uh, we have some positions um, among our assistant coaching staff. You know, I think like Kirk Olavidotti, uh, uh Al Washington coached linebackers at Ohio State before he went to Notre Dame. Maybe this is something you think about. I'm I am not always opposed to uh, college guys making a, an NFL leap. I'm, that's not the sole reason I'm low on the Jim Leonard idea. Ryan Walters is the Illinois defensive coordinator. He's another guy I would consider if you're going to be considering Jim Leonard. I think you should also consider Phil Parker and Ryan Walters. So, in total. When I look at where NFL defenses are uh, compared to college defenses, you know, a lot of the time we think of college as like being more uh, creative and this is where the new ideas come from. And, you know, if you want to get ahead in the NFL, you got to borrow from college. Uh, college defenses, I think, are trying to imitate the NFL right now, which is interesting. Uh, I'm I'm just not sure that... You know, the, the real uh, pool of creativity is more to be found in college than in the NFL, which, which is typically how it's viewed. I, I'm not sure that holds up right now, if it even ever did hold up. Let's talk about NFL assistant coaches. Uh, we'll start with one of the guys I'm kind of most excited about. Eric Washington is the defensive line coach for the Bills. Um, they had to give him a senior defensive assistant title as well to keep him in 2022. The Bills defense ranked number one last year in DVOA. Uh, they are currently number three in 2022. Uh, if they miss some time without Von Miller, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, you know, if they if they continue to stay good. But either way, I think Eric Washington is a good coach. Now the Bills. Base defense is a 4-3 zone, uh, but they spend a lot of their time just disguising the whole defense with different hybrid formations. I don't think Eric Washington would struggle a ton with trying to run a 3-4 in Green Bay. I think he's a good guy to keep your eye on. Uh, he was a defensive coordinator in the past for Carolina in 20, what is it, 2017-18? No, 2018-19. 
Um, and then uh, when Ron Rivera got fired, uh, Washington went to Buffalo. Joe Witt is the secondary coach for the Cowboys. They do a good job there. Um, I think Trayvon Diggs is wildly overrated, but the secondary on the whole um, is good for the Cowboys. The total defense is ranked second in DVOA, but wait, is it second? No, it's up to number one now. They're ranked first in overall DVOA and fourth in passing DVOA. Previously, Witt was, uh, which is where, where I knew him from, he was the secondary coach in Cleveland, and then they gave him a pass game coordinator title in 2019 or 20. No, 2019 is when they switched things over. Um, their defense uh, was kind of a kind of a mess at times that year, but still getting the job done. And the secondary was really impressive. I liked Joe Witt back then, and he has done a good job in Dallas. And I know that the Giants interviewed him for their open defensive coordinator position last year. Obviously, they ended up hiring Wink Martindale instead. Nick Rallis uh, coaches for the Eagles right now. And remember, that's where Vic Fangio is at the moment. He's a young guy, 29 years old. Um, probably too young to be a defensive coordinator, but keep an eye on him. Um, this is maybe a guy I would try and snipe away from Philly if you could. Uh, John Gannon is um, the defensive coordinator. That, is he the defensive coordinator? Yeah, he is. Defensive coordinator in Philly, does a really good job. And I think John Gannon is leaving soon to go be a head coach. And I think the Eagles want Nick Rallis to be their new defensive coordinator. I really do. This is only his second year there. Uh, He was with the Viking staff under Zimmer before he got to Philly. And he started his coaching career at Wake Forest. Nick Rallis... I think is a rising star, and if there's any way you can get him to Green Bay, find him an opportunity that he doesn't have right now in Philly, <laughs> um, do what you can before they make him his their defensive coordinator. It, maybe that means maybe that means make him your defensive coordinator now. Maybe he's too young. Maybe it's going to take a little little time. Uh, maybe you let him learn on the job a little bit. That's what the Rams did with Sean McVay. If you think you got something really special, move on him early if you got to. That's just my stance. A lot of folks want Gerard Mayo. Uh, he's the Patriots linebacker coach. Um, young dude. He had head coaching interviews last year with three different teams. Uh, if you could get him, I think that would be nice, but... I think he's hunting for a head coaching gig. I don't think he would be here long as a defensive coordinator. I think that he would try and use that to springboard and go get a head coaching gig. So, you know, Mayo, intriguing, but I, I think it's un, an unlikely, um, you know, thing to happen. The list of names I have on this is so long. I, I compiled a list of, this is like 30 names. Let me skip down to some guys that are interesting. Aubrey Pleasant is interesting. He's the former Lions DBs coach and passing game coordinator. I think he's a good coach. Um, I think that he 
did a good job last year with a very young, very banged up secondary. I think he did not do as good of a job in 2022. So I'm lower on him than I used to be, but he's interesting because he is currently in the building. Matt LaFleur hired him to be a, uh, a consultant. So he's in the building. And so I think Matt LaFleur is thinking about him. Chris Richard is the saints DBs coach. This is a guy I've had my eye on for quite a while. Um, he of course was with the Cowboys for a long time and I was really surprised that he did not get any opportunities as a defensive coordinator. Uh, of course he used to be in Seattle. That's where he, uh, became a known commodity, but he's currently coaching the saints DBs. Um, they are really good. It's kind of the only thing that's really working right right now is the uh, defensive backs and linebackers for the Saints. The rest of their roster is like kind of a dumpster fire. The linebackers coach is Michael Hodges. That's another guy I would maybe consider. Hodges has been with the Saints since 2017. I like their linebackers a lot. Uh, one of the young guys that they have in there right now, Pete Werner, I just knew him because I'm a Buckeye fan, and he did a really good job at Ohio State. Um, I was a little surprised at how good of a job he's done in the NFL. I did like him in the draft. I didn't think he was going to be this good. He's been quite, quite good. He was a second-round pick. He started eight games last year for the Saints, and he finished with 59 tackles. Uh, Quan Alexander has kind of like sucked the last few years except in uh, New Orleans, where he has um, just absolutely been a game wrecker. The linebackers and DBs for the Saints are really causing problems in the NFL. So I, I do have an interest in the um, position coaches for those two rooms. Moving on. Uh, Terrell Austin is the secondary coach for the Steelers. He was also given the title of senior defensive assistant. Um, I don't think their secondary is good at all. I really don't. Minka is, you know, decent. The rest of their secondary is pretty terrible. But they also just don't have any players back there. I'm not making a case for Austin. I'm just telling you that I have heard that he is considered a rising star among NFL circles. I'm not making a case for us going to get him. I'm just saying I think he's being considered by teams. Uh, Jeff Howard. Defensive passing game coordinator for the Browns. The Browns have one of the better uh, DBs, uh, DB rooms in the NFL right now. Of course, they have good players there, um, but they have consistently had a good secondary. Last year, they were third in net yards per attempt. They're also fifth in passing yards allowed. Um, and the reason that's interesting is because it was like a brand new room last year. Uh, you got all the same guys back this year. Uh, but last year it was like you you had a, a bunch of good pieces you were adding, but they had not played together. So the fact that they were able to gel um, and really uh, make life miserable for opposing quarterbacks, I appreciate that. Everybody loves to poach the Rams coaching staff. Well, Jonathan Cooley is the defensive backs coach for the Rams. He has been working with their secondary since 2020 they had uh some good dbs in 2020 and 2021 they kind of only have jalen ramsey right now 
this is a Packers podcast, so I don't fear blow back from saying that I don't think Jalen Ramsey is uh, anywhere near as good as advertised. And obviously the Rams are not who made him Jalen Ramsey. He was already that in Jacksonville. That's neither here nor there. Cooley works for McVay, but he's not really in the circle of like LaFleur buddies, which we're about to get into. Uh, he got there in 28, uh, 2020. Sorry. Of course, LaFleur was there in 2017. And I went through and I kind of tracked where LaFleur's been, who he's worked with, because he really loves hiring from uh, guys that he worked with on the Rams staff. Seems to have a lot of interest in, like, anybody he's ever worked with before. And in 2016, if you look at the uh, defensive staff, I think there's a couple guys who make a lot of sense. So first of all, if you look at, uh, let's see, their defensive coordinator that year was for the Falcons was Richard Smith. Um, he, he got fired and does not seem to be any kind of a uh, real option right now. Really, he's been the uh, linebackers coach for three different teams since he got fired there. Uh, he was with the Chargers from 2017 to 2020. He was with the Raiders for one year in 2021. This year, he is the linebackers coach for the Colts. Maybe that's an option you look at because he's been a defensive coordinator before, but he wasn't good. Of course, neither was Joe Barry. Uh, Let's see. Brian Cox. uh, Let me see here. Brian Cox, currently the assistant defensive line coach for the Giants. He is um, doing a pretty good job with uh, the young guys that got there, including Kayvon Thibodeau. The Giants D-line obviously has been good for a long time, um, and, and he's only been there for just this season. So I don't, I don't know that you can um, give him a, a ton of credit for that. He also took a pretty big gap off from coaching, at least in the NFL. He was fired at the tail end of the 2016 season. And then in 2022, for the Giants as a defensive line assistant, first time that he has worked in the NFL since. Um, so I think he's not on the list. Similarly, Jerome Henderson, he's the defensive backs coach for the Giants. They have the second lowest graded uh, coverage defense in the NFL. But Marquand, Markand, how do you say this guy's name? Markand Manuel is the safety coach for the Jets. The Jets have the number one coverage defense. Obviously, a big part of that is their good corners, but the safeties have been uh, pretty good as well. Mark Hand also played for the Packers back in 2006. He was a safety. Got his start in the NFL as a assistant special teams coach in Seattle in 2012. Uh, 2013, he was the defensive assistant. Um, and he was with Seattle through 2014. Then he coached for two years with Matt LaFleur in Atlanta. Um, and he actually got to stay as the new defensive coordinator in 2017 when Dan Quinn came in. Find that interesting. Uh, Don't know what he did in 2019. He took a year off uh, and came back as the defensive backs coach for the Eagles and then started in 2021 as the safeties coach for the Jets. He's been there ever since. I think this is maybe a guy to keep an eye on. Um, he's kind of had success where he's been. 
he was, um, you know, as I mentioned, he got to uh, be a holdover and and have defensive coordinator experience for two years in Atlanta after Matt LaFleur was fired. I just think that this is something to keep an eye on. His defense was not good, um, but Matt LaFleur doesn't seem to care about that. Uh, he hired Joe Barry, who had um, two of the worst defenses like ever before he got hired by the Packers. Chris Shula, currently the Rams DB's coach and pass game coordinator. This one is extremely intriguing. Uh, Shula was, uh, where did he work with LaFleur? Okay, yeah, he got hired in 2017 when Sean McVay came there. He was the assistant linebackers coach. This is interesting. From 2017 to 18, he was the assistant linebackers coach. Then he became the outside linebackers coach in 19 and 20. Then he became the linebackers coach in 2021. Now he is the pass game coordinator and defensive backs coach. Interesting. But JJ, didn't you already mention a current defensive backs coach for the Rams? Yes, I did. TheRams.com, their official website, lists Chris Shula as pass game coordinator slash defensive backs coach and Jonathan Cooley as defensive backs coach. No elaboration on how they both are coaching the same thing. But you would have to imagine that Jonathan Cooley reports to Chris Shula. And I would imagine if we hired away Chris Shula, that uh, Jonathan Cooley would just step into the full defensive backs uh, coach. I would imagine, uh, and this is totally speculation, I would guess that those two guys, although they both have those titles, uh, that one of them handles safeties and one handles corners. And Cooley... Uh, coached safeties at Bluffton University, um, and he was a safety at John Carroll. And uh, anything else interesting that would hint whether he is coaching safeties? I think he's coaching safeties. Wow, this is interesting. Uh, actually, Chris Shula was also at John Carroll. That's interesting. Shula was there in 2014, and then Hooley was there in what year? You gonna not tell us what year? It just says he was there for two years. All right, they made me look it up elsewhere. <sighs> Found this on his LinkedIn, 2011. <laughs> okay, so uh, Cooley was there first, and then Shula was there later. But it is interesting these guys. Uh, uh, both played at the uh, same. No, that's when he coached. So he played at John Carroll and coached and Chris Shula coached or, or played there. Chris Shula did not coach there. He only played there. Anyways, that's a rabbit trail, but I found it interesting. Oh my gosh. No, he did. Shula was the defensive coordinator at John Carroll in 2014. These guys just lived there. Holy crap. Linebackers that Shula has worked with, uh, Corey Littleton in 2018. Of course, that was his huge year, and he went on to do nothing after he left the Rams. Before that, Alec Ogletree and Mark Barron each posted over 100 tackles in 2017. Barron, a converted safety playing his first season in Wade Phillips' system, posted a career high and tied for a team-best three interceptions on the season. I guess three is a lot for a linebacker. Prior to joining the Rams in 2017, Shula spent the previous two seasons as a defensive quality control coach with the Chargers. Okay, not super interesting. 
In 2020, free agent edition Leonard Floyd enjoyed a career year under the guidance of Shula. Floyd posted a career-best 10.5 sacks in his first season with the Rams. Outside linebacker Samson Ebucom tallied 4.5 sacks, while outside linebacker Justin Hollins, isn't that the guy we just picked up, added 3 sacks. I think Chris Shula is going to be on the short list of guys that Matt LaFleur is going to look at, for sure. Another guy to consider, Kerry Combs. He was the uh, defensive backs coach uh, the year that LaFleur was in Tennessee. Now, Combs was there because of Mike Vrabel. Those two guys are both from Ohio State. Kerry Combs then left Tennessee and went back to Ohio State. Then he got fired after the 2021 season. And he went and coached DBs for Cincinnati. However, Luke Fickle just left Cincinnati and went to Wisconsin. So Kerry Combs is looking for a new job. And he's currently the interim head coach for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Would Kerry Combs like to go back to the NFL again? I think maybe. I think maybe. Would he want to be a defensive coordinator? I will tell you, I don't really want him for a defensive coordinator. He was the defensive coordinator for Ohio State in the 2020 and 2021 seasons. Um, It went horribly, and he got demoted just a few games into the 2021 season. And then um, he uh, was fired slash left voluntarily at the end of that season. He was not interested in going back to just being a DB coach for the program that he had been the um, defensive coordinator for. So I would not be super interested in having him for defensive coordinator. But man, if we could get him as a DB coach, that would be interesting to me. And I'm not super thrilled with, uh, with Jerry Gray. But who I'm even more not super thrilled with is Ryan Downard, our bozo safeties coach who... I don't understand why he has the job. Amos and Savage are worse this year than they were last year when we literally didn't have a safeties coach. Could you get Kerry Combs to come over? Maybe. Uh, the Matt LaFleur connection in Tennessee doesn't uh, hurt. Tyrone McKenzie is the Dolphins out, outside linebackers coach. McKenzie and uh, here it is. McKenzie and LaFleur work together in 2017 uh, with the Rams. McKenzie was the assistant special teams coach there. Then he was promoted to inside linebackers coach. Uh, sorry, he was hired to be the inside linebackers coach in Tennessee in 2018. So he actually worked with the floor two years in a row for two different teams. Um, he's He then spent the 2020 season with the Lions as their linebackers coach took two years off, and he is now the outside linebackers coach for the Dolphins. Let's check in on those edge rushers there. So, 508 snaps for Jalen Phillips. He's got an 83.3 grade. The only thing he struggles with is tackling, um, but, man, he is really good in pass rush and run defense. Of course, Bradley Chubb is there. Um, I don't think that... uh, that our boy McKenzie can take any credit for Bradley Chubb, who's only been there for like three weeks (laughs) and has always been a good player. But Andrew Van Ginkle is there. Uh, He's having a good year. 179 snaps. He has a 71.8 grade. Emmanuel Ogba, not doing so well. 326 snaps, 52.1 grade. Trey Flowers, our old buddy, 
Uh, 64 snaps. He's not really a factor there, but he's got a 78 grade. Melvin Ingram, of course, always been a good player, but he's still having a good year for the Dolphins. 358 snaps, 73.6 grade, 87 pass rush grade. He has five sacks on the year. The outside backers are doing a good job for Miami. Uh, and then there's Terrell Williams. He's, uh, where do you go? Defensive line coach for the Titans. Has been there since 2018, the year that uh, LaFleur was there. The defensive line, I think, has been up and down, but the last couple of years has really finally gotten into a groove. Part of, part of uh, what happened was that they brought in some better talent. For a while, they were, I think, really uh, lackluster uh, in terms of the talent that they had. But they brought in Bud Dupree, and Bud Dupree is not currently playing for them. Is he on their roster? Oh, yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, 260 snaps, seven games. Okay, he's he's been banged up this year. Um, he plays off the edge for them. Um, and on the interior, they got Jeffrey Simmons, who's one of the highest graded uh, interior defenders in football. He's got an 89.4 grade on 560 snaps, 85.7 pass rush grade. His tackling is not great, but his uh, run defense is 77.6. He's got four, no, seven, seven sacks on the year. For an interior guy, that's that's really good. Uh, who else do they have there who's really making noise this year? I guess uh, Tier Tart would be the other guy. 345 snaps, 74.6 grade. Um, Terrell Williams is the coach that we're talking about here. Been there for, this is his fifth year in Tennessee. Um, I really think that he is... Um, probably in line to get some coordinator interviews this year. And he worked with Matt LaFleur. He's been doing a good job since Matt LaFleur left. Titans have a good defense. They ranked eight overall. Uh, wait, is that correct? Hang on. Where do they rank? Um, Tenth overall. They're tenth overall via DVOA this year. PFF grades are pretty good. I think that he would be a solid candidate to go have a conversation with. And I think it's pretty likely that uh, Matt LaFleur is only going to be interviewing guys he's worked with. Now, one thing to be thinking about here with any of these uh, guys that you're interviewing. So they have expanded the Rooney rule, which if you are familiar with the Rooney rule, um, or I should say if you're not familiar with it, uh, the Rooney rule was created to try and combat uh, discrimination in coaching hiring. And so they instituted a rule that you had to interview at least one uh, person uh, who was a minority for any of these positions, uh, for any vacant coaching positions. Um, I think it's I think it's just head coaching positions. However, they've expanded the rule so that now, if you have a minority on your coaching staff and that minority gets hired away, you receive a uh, you receive two compensatory third round picks in the next draft. So the 49ers got six freaking compensatory third round picks. Not that the Packers want third round picks. Haha, joke. Uh, for losing three. Um, quote-unquote people of color 
and I say quote unquote because they're lumping Mike McDaniel in there and give me a freaking break. Mike McDaniel is white. I don't care that what I don't, I don't care what <laughs> what bloody as the that's a white dude. Like whatever. The other guys, sure. Go ahead and count them as minorities. Mike McDaniel is is a minority by the slimmest of technicalities. He's not a minority. He's a white guy. But whatever. A lot of that is just fueled by my hatred for the 49ers. <sighs> Nothing personal, Mike, but you're white. <laughs> you're clearly a white guy. And I hate the 49ers. So anything that happens that's good for him, I'm going to protest against. Um, anyways, those are all reasons, obviously, for the Packers to strongly consider and prioritize hiring a guy like Terrell Williams, who is a, mon- a minority. And, and a lot of these guys that we talked about today are minorities. Um, definitely, uh, I, I think, would elevate any of these guys for me because those draft picks are not nothing. I mean, we can joke all we want to about the third round being a total curse for the Packers. I'm still not just going to throw away third round picks <laughs> that we can get uh, just for hiring a guy who is a minority. I mean, it's that's obviously foolish. If you really don't, if you really believe in the curse and you just don't want to draft guys there, then okay, fine. Then trade the picks away, but like go get the picks. This is why they set the rule up was to incentivize people to hire minorities for coaching positions. So let's take advantage of it. Let's hire all minorities, get all the third round picks we can. Let's do it. If you're going to offer it to us, why not? Let me talk about the McDaniel thing for one more second. In February 2022, Mike McDaniel stated that some family members from his white mother's side of the family cut ties with her because she married a black man who was his father. Okay, it's not nothing. I don't think the 49ers should get two freaking third-round picks for having the guy hired away. Go look up a picture of him. He's a white dude. I'm sorry. I don't I don't know how this is helping minorities to be giving third-round draft picks to the 49ers. Come on. Anyways, whatever. The 49ers are taking advantage of it. We should do it, too. It just feels silly to me. Like... Look at Robert Sala. Okay, makes more sense. Look at Martin Mayhew, the other guy that was hired away from the 49ers. Makes no makes more sense, all right? Mike McDaniel, come on. <laughs> uh, whatever. The NFL is crazy and always has been and will continue to be. I would be very curious to hear what Brian Flores thinks about the Mike McDaniel thing. I'm sure he has a lot of thoughts because Mike McDaniel got his old job. I should look that up. Has he said anything about it? All right. A quick Google search is not giving me anything. I see quotes from Mike McDaniels about Brian Flores, but not the other way around. So I don't know. I don't see anything. I just, I wonder what Brian Flores thinks about this. Like, does Brian Flores think that the Mike McDaniel thing is helping the case for guys like him or making a mockery of it? I I'm not going to put words in Brian Flores' mouth, but I would be interested to hear his thoughts. If he says anything, look, one thing we can all agree on, it's it's high time for Joe Barry to go. Was not a great hire from the start. I was willing to give Joe Barry a shot. I was. Not so with Mo Drayton. I thought Mo Drayton was 
an even dumber hire than the Joe Barry hire. I thought they were both dumb hires. And like I said, I have lost a lot of faith in Matt LaFleur's ability to hire new coaches and coordinators. Joe Barry was a bad idea. It has been a failed experiment. The defensive talent we have is being completely and utterly squandered. Really hope he gets fired. Really interested to see what direction LaFleur looks I think it's very likely that he um, limits his pool to the guys that I talked about today. I have a bunch of other names here under current NFL assistants. I would guess that LaFleur is going to more so restrict his um, scope to guys he's worked with. Maybe there's a guy here or there that I've missed that he's worked with that kind of makes some obvious sense, but... I'm, I'm, I'm kind of feeling Chris Shula. I'm not saying like that's the guy I want to hire, but I'm, I'm, I kind of feel like that's the direction that Matt LaFleur would go. Definitely some guys we talked about like Terrell Williams or Tyrone McKenzie that I have a lot of interest in that LaFleur has also worked with. Uh, definitely guys like Chris Richard. Um, let's see. Who are some of the other names I liked? I like Nick Rallis with the Eagles. You know, obviously there were guys like Gerard Mayo who I would love to get, but I don't think we have a shot at getting, but, you know, would be excited about it if they did come. Aubrey Pleasant is a guy, like I said, he's in the building. I think he will be considered. Of course, Aaron Glenn is out there. Um, he's a name that's pretty hot. I I don't know. The, the Lions defense just has not been, like, good. So there's that, but... I mean, they also just don't have any good players in Detroit uh, for the defense. Of course, Joe Witt Jr. Did I mention when I talked about Joe Witt? I think I got so hung up on uh, talking about what he did for Cleveland and Atlanta that I completely breezed over the most relevant and obvious part uh, of all, which was that he uh, coached in Green Bay for like a decade. I think that that's one of those things that was like so obvious that I just forgot to mention it. Uh, cornerbacks coach from 2009 to 2017 and then got the uh, defensive pass game coordinator title bump in 2018. Of course, our DBs were not great for most of his tenure here. So for that reason, uh, I think that uh, a lot of folks would not be super geeked to see him back. But he's done a good job since leaving. And I, and I think that for, you know, for his part, I, I think that it was a talent issue. Like, we didn't have good cornerbacks that he was working with. It wasn't like guys were underperforming. So, uh, of course, you know, early on, he was working with guys like Sam Shields, uh, who did play well. Um, you know, it was mostly just the very end of his career that things were really just falling apart. You know, you think about 16, 17, 18. Was kind of a mess, but Joe Witt Jr. would be on the short list as well for me. All right, I'm way over time. Time for me to get out of here. You guys have a fantastic day. Um, it's fun, fun Packers game. Looking forward to seeing the uh, Bears game. I think the Packers will win. All right, talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. Bye bye.